Well, good morning. Happy Mother. Yeah, go ahead and clap. You can clap for that. Happy Mother's Day. Um, we're going to pass out the box of tissues here in a minute. And uh, during the first service, my mom was sitting in the right here in the middle area, and I happened to look up right as I'm trying to do this little introduction, and she was tearing up. I was like, oh. It's like, come on, Mom, you had to do that right in front of me. Oh, but happy Mother's Day. What an awesome day it is today. Um, we are glad to have you here. Some of you may be wondering, why in the world is the associate pastor, Seth, preaching on Mother's Day? Like, that should be the pastor's job. <laughs> What's going on here? Well, Pastor Philip is actually in Lynchburg, Virginia, because his daughter just graduated college yesterday. So they are up there celebrating that, and I would say that is a wonderful Mother's Day gift for Miss Nicole. So that is, that is awesome, and that is why I'm here. So I'm sorry, you're going to have to suffer through a mother, Mother's Day message with me, but we're just going to have to do it. And everyone's like, yeah, we are. <laughs> oh, what an awesome day. Um, moms, y'all are incredible. God has given you a special gift, a special touch. Um, I don't know if you all realize this, but kids oftentimes go running to their mothers before they go running to their dads. Um, Dad sometimes is, you know, there's thunderstorm, I'm scared, I need your help, protection. But all other times, it's, it's mama. Mama's who they go running to. Um, like the song just said, they get a scraped up knee, they get a boo-boo. I want my mama. Some of the first things that come out of their mouth, Mama, um, you're in trouble. Dad's about to give you a spanking. Mama, <laughs> they want the protection, the love, and the comfort of their mom. Um, as you get older, you still desire to have that same kind of comfort and love and nurture of your mother. Um, oftentimes, you know, as, as adults, on Mother's Day, or other holidays, this is just generally speaking, you don't go to dad's house to eat dinner. You go to mom's house. Dad's there. He owns the house. Like, he's living there. He's got a place. But you're going to mom's. And that's just how it is. There's just something that the mother gives that kind of comfort. And something else that mothers do is you guys do a lot of preparation. Like, it's like y'all are always preparing for something. Um, I don't know what, whether it's preparing a meal for your family, preparing your kids to get out the door and go to school. Sometimes it's even harder, I think, on Sunday mornings to prepare your kids to get to church. But you're always pre preparing something. But more than just that type of preparation, you guys are preparing your children for eternity. You're preparing them for eternity. Now we're going we're gonna to unpack that thought today during this message. I want to give away everything uh, up front. So we're going to, I'm going to ask you guys to open the book of Isaiah. We're going to be in Isaiah today and you can go to chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66. We're going to start reading it in verse 7 because we can't do Isaiah 66 verse 6. Pastor Philip said something about that a while back. Like, why couldn't they just, why could they just like drop that, <laughs> drop that verse or like call it something different? But we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 66 today. And <clears throat> you may be wondering, 
why are we doing a Mother's Day message in the book of Isaiah, book of prophecy? I mean, this is, Isaiah is sort of a, a complicated book. Prophecy in general is just kind of complicated. Like, it's, it's sometimes hard to understand. There's a lot of metaphors happening. You know, did these prophecies already, are they already been fulfilled? Or are they going to be fulfilled in the future one day? And we're having to, as readers in the church age, interpret these things. It's sort of a complicated book. But let me try to just help you understand a little bit about this book. Um, in a nutshell, it is kind of like, sort of, like a mini Bible. Like if you look at, to look at the plot line of Isaiah and how it goes and to match that plot line up with the Old and the New Testament, it is very similar. See, it, it starts out with this whole idea of, of judgment and hope for Jerusalem. Jerusalem, have, they have disobeyed God. There's going to be a judgment for them. But if they are to obey, there is hope for them kind of makes you think of the first few books of the Bible. Genesis, I can't even say it, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. God lays out the law, and he's saying, here's what you're supposed to do. If you do it, there's going to be blessing if you obey. But if you don't, there's going to be cursing. So that's kind of what's going on at the beginning of this book. And then as you continue to go through, there's some other cool stuff that happens. But right in the middle, there's this mysterious character that is, is given to us. And he is called the servant. And this servant is sent by God on mission to do a couple things. One is to restore Israel. And the other thing is to bring light to the nations. So this servant, he kind of looks a lot like another character in the Bible. That happened right about in the middle of the Bible. This servant, as he continues, he is rejected by the people. He's despised. He is killed. And if, we, if you read Isaiah 53, it says in here that he was despised and rejected, but by his stripes we are healed. So part of that mission and part of that restoring Israel and part of that being a light to the nations, he has to die first. But then somehow he miraculously comes back to life. And when he comes back to life, he has followers. And these followers are called his servants. So you have the servant and he has servants who follow him. So that's one group of people in this last half of the book. But there's another group of people as well. And it is the wicked. And the wicked hate the servant. And they hate the servants. And they hate God. And so as you start to get towards the end, God is starting to rain down some judgment on these wicked people. But the servants are trying to be a light to the nations, trying to let people know that this servant, he is he's a good guy. Like we need to follow him. But then you get to the end, and there's still a remnant of the wicked who don't follow. And then there's a judgment that happens. But the servant, he ends up, towards the end of the book, he ends up setting up a kingdom. And it is a kingdom that has these walls. And is referred to, here in this chapter specifically, as Mount Zion. Mount Zion. And this is a place that people come, and they are comforted, and they reside here, and there is peace and that's where all of the servant and his servants are. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. So as we get into this, I just want you to kind of keep that stuff in mind of what's going on. We're towards the end of the book. But if you, if you think of this in a, in a grand scheme of how the Bible works, we're towards the end of 
life in general. So let's, let's begin reading in verse 7, Isaiah 66, verse 7. And it says this, Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came upon her, she delivered a son. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall a land be born in one day? Shall a nation be brought forth in one moment? For as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the point of birth and not cause to bring forth, says the Lord? Shall I, who calls to bring forth, shut the womb, says your God? So let's, let's pause there for, for a moment. Interest, interesting thing happening here. This, this city that we, we just kind of built up to this point, this place where the servant, his servants are residing, it is being called Zion. It's being called Zion here. Um, Mount Zion is a real mountain in Israel. It is in Jerusalem. And historically, it is actually where the temple of God, David's temple originally, was built. And the second temple was placed on top of it. And if this picture up here kind of illustrates that idea. That's the temple up, up on the top. And this is Jerusalem, and that is Mount Zion. So the city Jerusalem is often called Zion. So this whole idea of Mount Zion being associated with Jerusalem, it's all there. And in a sense, this is where, this is where God resided in his glory in the temple. And so that's kind of happening. That's going on. But in addition to that, this city, it is given sort of a motherly, um, motherly characteristics and it is said that this city is going to be a place that is going to bring forth a great nation. But not only bring forth a great nation, it is going to do so without having any pains, any, any labor, any, any child pains or, or birthing pains. And it even mentions that that's unheard of. Like, this just doesn't happen. I mean, mothers in the room, did y'all feel anything when you had your kid? yes. Like, this is something that doesn't happen. So what, what in the world is this prophecy? What, what, is, it really, what is it really talking about? Well, there's a, several ideas. I'm just going to give you a couple of them. Some of, the, some of the scholars, as they read this, they say, well, this is actually talking about um, when, when Israel was taken captive, when the Babylonians overtook this Israel, this city, and they took um, all of these people into exile with them. And what happened is afterwards, judgment came on Babylon, and these people returned back to the city. And in a moment, in a day, they had their population back. And it might have even been more than what they had to begin with. And so their economy was restored. Their wealth came back to them. They had, they had people in the city. So these scholars say maybe that's what it's talking about, this prophecy that's already been fulfilled. But this is a pretty, like pretty phenomenal prophecy. Like the way that he talks about this, who has heard of such things, like cities got overtaken all the time, maybe not all the time, but out throughout history a lot, and people would return back to, their, back to their cities. So this wasn't really something that was uncommon. This happened. So it wasn't really a phenomenon. Um, other scholars, they say, well, if you read the book of Acts and you see in a spiritual sense 
Peter, he preaches his first sermon as they're starting up the church. It's right after Pentecost. And that day, 3,000 believers are added to their number. Their church grew from, I don't know how many it was, but from that to 3,000, that is an exponential growth. And these scholars say maybe that's what it's talking about. In one day, in one moment, Peter preached this message. People believed and the kingdom grew. Well, maybe there's some layers here, but I think it's talking about something even a little bit deeper than that. Some people even say, well, this is a prophecy that actually just recently has been fulfilled. If you know anything about the nation of Israel and what happened back in 1948, specifically on May 14th, they were declared a nation again. And in a moment's notice, they went from being just a land who was kind of in the midst of all the other nations around them to having their own distinct government and political system, and they became this nation. But that's still not as spectacular as I think what is happening. As I read other scholars and other people, I think what is going on here, this is talking about a heavenly, spiritual, millennial reign of Jesus Christ. When he comes back in his second coming, and he sets up his kingdom. He sets it up, and there are, there's peace, there's comfort. People are blessed, and they follow him. And I think that's what it's talking about. It's, it's something that is eternal, something that is, is future. And the cool thing about this spiritual Zion, this spiritual Jerusalem, is that, <clears throat> yes, this world will be destroyed at the very end of that thousand-year reign, and then a new earth and heaven will be created. But there's still going to be a Jerusalem that God's people can reside in. Some awesome stuff. If you read through Revelation and see what all is happening there. I think that's what's happening. So think about this. Think about this phenomenon. Like a mother who had a baby with no labor whatsoever. Wouldn't you love that to be the way it works? I mean, happy Mother's Day. If you're going to have any more kids, this is where the way it's going to be. There's no pain. There's no, like, the, the baby's just here. Like, that would be awesome. I know in our, in our circumstance, that really would have been awesome because our first child, uh, it, was a, it was a long labor. <laughs> it was a very long labor. And just to see my wife go through that and the pain that she had to deal with, oh, it, it was torment to me. And I wasn't even the one going through it. I, can't, I just can't imagine what you as women go through with child labor. Child labor. <laughs> not child labor. <laughs> Burying children. <laughs> We're not talking about child labor. That's something else. <laughs> Although you may have child labor at your, at your house. They all have their chores, you know. You make sure they do their stuff. Yep. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about birthing children. So... We also, I also know some people here at this church that they've had a pretty short labor. Like, right around the two-hour mark, like, that's, that's not that bad. Like, two hours, all of this hard pushing and all the, everything, like just for two hours. But that's still, still, that's still rough. That's still rough. Do you know what the world record is for the quickest um, childbirth? Do you know what that happens to be? Nobody knows. I thought I heard something. If you Google it, Google says 27 seconds. 27 seconds. 
Now, I read this story. I read it because I was like, what in the world? How, how, what they said is what happened is the mom got up at night. She thought she had to go to the bathroom. She pushed, and out comes a baby. <laughs> Basically is what happens. But I have a little problem believing that because 27 seconds. I mean, how do they know it was literally 27 seconds, like on the dot? Like, was dad over there going, okay, start. Uh, all right, stop. 27. Like, what in the world? How, how, as, as a father, you know, and as a husband, I, I didn't know how long it was taking. Like, I had to go back, and we recalculated how long labor was. I was not sitting there trying to time it. Like, we're not trying to break a record here. Like, and I can't imagine that someone going into to labor would say, yeah, this is going to be the quickest one. <laughs> out, of the, out of everyone in the world, this is going to be the fastest. And this happened to be, and when I read this on Google, it, it said it happened May of last year. So it's, it's very recent. But how do, how, how do you know that? How do you know that? Like, was Guinness Book of World Records there witnessing? Like, how do you document? Like, anyone could just say, oh, 27 seconds, that's how long it was. Well, we'll have to take your word for it because we didn't have anyone there sleeping in your bed waiting for months at a time because it, it was delivered early. So it's not even like they knew it was coming. So how do, how do you know that? Whether that's true or not, it is a phenomenon. It is an anomaly for that to happen that quick. It's unheard of. And that's what it says here. It is unheard of for a woman to have a child without going through this, these, these pains, without going through labor. It is unheard of. So why is it in here? Why, does, why is it in here? I think it's here to show the power of God. I think it's here to show that one day there will be this amazing nation and it will be born. And it will just, in the blink of an eye, in a moment, it will exist. Man can't do that. Man can't do that. You've heard the saying, Rome was built, wasn't built in a day. You know, it took years and centuries for Rome to get to the point of where it was to have the world domination and world power. I think about America. America is one of those heavy hitters in the whole political, governmental world system. It's taken America, I, I mean, 1776, that was not that long ago, but there was still stuff in the making of 400 years or so for America to get to this point. That's not one day. <laughs> That's a lot of days. And the thing is, is as nations grow and they rise to power, oftentimes what's happened, what happens is they get prideful. And they say, look what we've done. Look how we have accomplished all these things. We control the world. And they begin to get this God complex. That we can do all these things. We don't need the help of God. But I think God is, what he's doing here is he's saying, this nation will be born and no man can do this. This has to be a miracle. This has to be the work of God. And I think that's what's happening here. But what's really cool is this nation, it is given well, this city specifically, in Zion, it has given these motherly characteristics. These motherly characteristics. Let's, let's read a little further. In verse 10, it says this, Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling bosom that you may drink deeply with delight. 
from her glorious abundance. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse, and you shall be carried upon her hip, and bounced upon her knees. And one, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see, and your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish with the grass. And the hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants. And he shall show his indignation against his enemies. What an incredible way to put that. What an incredible way to put that. One day, this nation, this city, this Mount Zion will be set up. And inside the walls, you will be comforted. And God specifically says in verse 13 that as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. So hang hang on there for a second. Like, God's not a mother. Like, we're just going to throw that out there right at the the beginning here. We just want you to understand that. We're not going to go into, like, some kind of bad theology or heretical doctrine. God God is not a mother. But even God can show his people and fulfill to his people the motherly desires that we crave and that we need. And we need to be comforted. Like, growing up as a kid, I, I, I know for me personally, I loved the comfort of my mother. Call me a mama's boy, I don't care. Like, I, I love to just sit in her arms and her to talk to me and tell me things. And when I needed that from her, like she gave me an amazing amount of comfort. And we have this desire inside of us. And what's crazy is mothers just have this instinct. Like they just know how to comfort their kids. I watch my wife with our kids. And I'm just, I'm just like, how does she do it? Like she can make the baby stop crying most of the time. She can make our little, our little girl, when she's going to one of her spastic things, like, she can calm her down, you know, toddlers. <laughs> she, can, she can get her. Sometimes it takes a little while, but she can get her calmed down. Like, I watch her sometimes just as she, as she holds Silas, our little two-month-old, and she's just sitting there just kind of rocking him and bouncing him and lulling him to sleep. And that's right after he's been crying his head off. And then when I'm in charge and I have to go, oh, he's crying. Oh, what did she do? Okay, boom, 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 boom. This is what mama did, right? Bounce, bounce. You're okay. Boom, 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 boom. Come on, buddy. You're all right. You're all right. You know, fathers just don't have it the way mothers do. There's just something about it that mothers just carry this nurturing instinct about them. And it has to be an instinct. It has to be something that God places there. Because if y'all know my wife, if y'all know Heather, She's not the most gracious, loving, nurturing kind of person. She's over here laughing at me, but it, it's true. I mean, when, when we first got married and I would be sick, I had to, like, like be a little extra dramatic just to get some care from her, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, come on, babe. Like, I'm over here. Like, I, I just feel like deaf, and you're just like, are you coming to dinner? <laughs> No, I'm laying on the bed because my stomach hurts. I remember back when I got when I got COVID, I was trying to get through dinner and I was like, 
I didn't know I had COVID at this point, and I'm just sitting here just going, man, I'm, I'm just going to have to lay down. And she got mad at me. <laughs> and she got mad at me. She's like, oh, I've prepared this meal. Why aren't you here? And she's the kind of person, like, she just kind of has that tough love. She's like, all right, get over it. You'll be fine. And some of us need that type of person in our life. <laughs> but when it comes to her kids and when it comes to their real needs, I mean, she shows them tough love too, but when it comes to their real needs, there's just a nurture about her that comes out. And it's a comfort. And these kids, they, they know it. They can sense it. And Amelia, <laughs> my sweet little Amelia, daddy's little girl, I mean, she is, she's my buddy. Uh, she's my buddy. Uh, she like, I know I've said this before, she likes to go to the dump with me <laughs> and take the trash out, like, because we go to the gas station. Like, she's my buddy. We go do fun stuff all the time. We hang out. You know, if she wants to have fun, she's going to come hang out with daddy. But when she's sick, she wants her mama. She was sick this past week. She's, she's better. Like, she's here today. I don't want you all to think anything. Like, she's, she's better. She might have a little bit of a cough, but she's better. She was sick this past week, and in the middle of the night, she's just coughing and hacking and couldn't breathe. We could hear her on the monitor, and she's crying out for Mama. It's like, Mama, I, I want you. I want you to comfort me right now because Daddy's just going to bounce me. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. And I try. I try really hard to be that soothing, nurturing, but it's just something about it. Mothers have it. You have it. So I want to say this. You as mothers, you are preparing your children for eternity. You are preparing your children for eternity. Now what what do I mean by that? Well, think about this. What, What is here in eternity? It's this city, Zion, that we will be comforted by. Now yes, You as mothers should be preparing your kids for life. You should be teaching them right from wrong. You should be teaching them God's word. You should be bringing them to church and helping them to know scripture and and helping them to know the right things to do in life. And there's a lot of that that you need to do and you should be doing, and that's part of their preparation for life, instilling those values and beliefs and, and things. But it's even simpler than that. You are preparing them for eternity by simply loving, nurturing them, and taking care of them, and comforting them. Because what you are doing, you are instilling a desire for that comfort. They already have that desire, but you're instilling it, and you're enhancing it more. And as they grow up, and they think, man, back when I needed help, or when I just needed to be comforted, mom was there. She was there, and she was pouring into me. And I know I was a brat at some times, at some points, and it was hard, but she loves me. She loves me through it. And whereas dad's over here, we have that nurture, we have a, a love for our kids, but a lot of times it's, it's more like the discipline, like this is what you need to do. And if you're not doing it, then you need to straighten up. But there's something about the grace of a mother. There's something about that. And when you show that to your kids, you are preparing them to spend an eternity with God in Zion. Think about that. It's talking about you will be comforted. You will, you will, you will um, nurse. You will, by, by the mother, by the Jerusalem's abundance, you'll be bounced on um, their leg and carried on their hip. 
And you are instilling all those things in your kids today by being a good mother. That's all you have to do. Just be a good mom. And you're instilling that. But let's take this even a little bit further. Let's take it a little bit, a little bit further. I want you to go to the book of Hebrews, if you would. Book of Hebrews chapter 12. And there's something really cool going on here. Um, the book of Hebrews, just to kind of bring you up to speed, and y'all are, are, all are smart and you, you know this stuff, but the book of Hebrews, what it does is it shows Christ and it shows that he is better. He is better than Moses. He is better than Aaron. He is better than the priest. There's a better new covenant than the old covenant. Like everything is just better with Christ. And in Hebrews 12, the first little part of Hebrews 12, it talks about this discipline that God has. And it talks about how we need to not disregard that discipline. And it it makes this illustration as a father disciplines his children, that's how God disciplines and corrects us when we go astray. And so we have like this fatherly portion, but then there's another side of that that you wouldn't really catch by reading this just here in this text. But understanding that Zion has this motherly thing. There's something else that is going on here. So let, let's read. In um, Hebrews 12, starting with verse uh, 18, it says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even, if even a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned. That was the order that was given. And then it says, Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Let's stop there just for a minute. Writer of Hebrews, he's saying, This area, which is a mountain, you have not come to this mountain. This is not where you should be. This is not where you're going. This mountain over here, what it, what it is, if you remember Moses, when he climbed up onto the mountain and God spoke to him, and God descended on like a, a fiery cloud type thing, and he spoke to Moses, and he gave him the law. He gave him the Ten Commandments. And this is where Moses would go to communicate with God. But this, this law, this Old Testament, this Old Covenant, was for the people to come to God through their sacrifices like, they couldn't, they couldn't atone their own sin. They needed something else to do that for them, and it was through the system of sacrifices. But it was a terrifying thing, because if you did something wrong, you had to go sacrifice to atone that. And the, the author of Hebrews, he's saying, you have not come to this mountain. You have not come to Mount Sinai. That's the mountain that it is. You have not come to Mount Sinai. You've come to a different mountain. And let's read this further in verse... Um, 22, it says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood that, that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You, you, this church, 
We are living in the church age. We have come to Mount Zion. That's where we are. We have not yet ascended it, but one day we will, and one day through the blood of Jesus Christ, that is the only entryway up this mountain and into this city, Mount Zion, that is where we get to spend our eternity. And that's sort of in a metaphorical way of saying because there's going to be a new heaven, there's going to be a new earth, and, but there is going to be a Jerusalem. And that Jerusalem is Zion. That is where we get to be. Now, where does this come back in to this whole mother thing? Remember Hebrews 12, talking about the Father's discipline, and then we get to this Mount Zion. We will spend an eternity comforted by God as a mother comforts her children. What an incredible thought. Because see, here's the thing. We all need to be comforted by our mothers. Even me, as a 30-year-old, old, old man, I still need my mama sometimes. I love to go to her house. I love to spend time over there with all of my family. And there's just something that she does. She just she gets all the, all the siblings together, and she makes it, like, unified and there's a comfort. But it would be weird. It would be very weird and awkward if I were to go up to her and start acting like a baby and wanting to be rocked and held by her and swayed back and forth. And as it talks about in our Isaiah passage, bounced on her knee and carried on her hip. I think I would break her hip if I tried to do that. That would just be awkward. So there's, there's, an, there's an extent here that like, I'm past that stage of being comforted by my mother in those ways. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> that would just, we, that stage is done. And I won't ever go back to it. It happened. It was great and wonderful. And I know for her, because I know you mothers, you get all sentimental over this stuff. It was great and wonderful. It was a wonderful time. But I'm not going back to that. But I get to go forward. And one day, I and you will be comforted in a way that not even our mothers can comfort us here on this earth. It will be 10,000 times better, but it will fulfill all the desires and all the needs that a mother comforts her children with. And we get to look forward to that. What an awesome, amazing, wonderful day that is going to be. It is going to be incredible. Now, some of you may be sitting here today, and you may be thinking, if heaven or eternity, is like being comforted by a mother, I don't want to go. Because my mother growing up did not comfort me. My mother was negligent. My mother did all these things. And you may be thinking that today, but I'm here to tell you that's not the perfect picture of a mother. God has a greater picture. And all of those things that you missed, that your mother should have given you and instilled in you, God provides what has been left out. And God fulfills the desires that you so desperately need. And even though you may not be completely and ultimately fulfilled here in this earth with those things, one day it will all be fulfilled. And it will all be taken care of. All the pains will be wiped away. All the voids will no longer be empty. They will be full. And God is the one who provides that comfort. But in the city, in Zion, we will have everything we need as a mother comforts her children. He 
God will comfort us in that beautiful, wonderful city. That should make you excited. That should make you ready to go. Because here's the thing. If, if it doesn't, I'm not going to say, you, you know, your, your, your wood's wet. You know, the fire's not lit. What I'm saying here is, if it does not make you excited, there might be a couple things happen. One, you may not have a true relationship with Jesus Christ. And you have no reason to look forward to this amazing, wonderful eternity that is prepared for those that do have that relationship. You can change that today. All you have to do is simple. is believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. You have a penalty that you cannot pay on your own. He died on the cross so that he could pay that penalty for you. And when you believe on him and ask him to save you of your sins, he does that. And he makes you one of God's children. And it's that simple. Or you may be sitting here today, you do have a relationship with, with God. You are a Christian. But you're scared of eternity. You're scared of the unknown. And to be honest, I, I am too. Like, I, I, I've studied the Bible I've studied eternity. Like, this is what I do for a living, and there's still a lot of things that I just, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like. But I do know what the Bible says. It's going to be better than anything on this earth. And we will have every need met in heaven because we will be standing in the presence of God. What an amazing thing that's going to be. It is going to be wonderful, and we have that to look forward to. We are running home to mama. We are on our way to get that comfort that only God can give us. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the mothers that you have given us. God, I thank you for those that have brought us not only into this world, but that have helped us overcome obstacles and have helped us to know right from wrong some of us sitting in this room have been led to salvation by our moms. I'm one of them. And God, we praise you. We thank you for the mothers that you've given us. And God, I know there's several out there that they have hurt from their mothers. There's several out there that they no longer have their good mothers here on this earth because they've already passed on. But God, one day you will comfort us fully and completely. And we have that to look forward to, God. And I pray, Lord, that we would look forward to that, that we would be excited, that we would be ready to worship you in a fullness and completeness, and we would be ready to enter into Zion, that holy city where you reside. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Our invitation this morning is going to be a little bit different. Um, we're still going to stand up. We're still going to sing. But what I want you all to do is I want you all to make this a time of, of prayer to God, a time of praise to Him. Worship Him because one day we are going to that beautiful city. We will spend an eternity with God in heaven in eternity. And let's take this time to give that to Him and to be excited. So I invite you to stand right now. Uh, we're going to sing, and the altar is open. If you need to do business with God today, it is here. Um, if you need to speak with me or to one of our other leaders, we are here. If you want to just stay in your seats and just take all of this in, that's fine too. But let God work. Let's sing.
you may be seated. Um, we love our mothers very much so, um, so we want to honor you today. We have some men who are going to be back here in the back, and we're going to hand out some flowers. So if you are a mother, we would ask you please to stand, and we want to personally hand you a flower, and um, that way we can just show you our love. So go ahead and do that now. If you're a mother, please stand. When you get your flower, if you could sit down, that way it's a little easier for us to know who's got the flowers and who didn't. Sometimes it's hard for us to count and keep track of those things. Happy Mother's Day. Grace and peace, and we'll see you next week.